Good morning, everyone. This is Ben Sadiq, your host of Three People, and this episode will be breaking down my Week 17 opponent, Akmal. Now, when I say the emerging Akmal, I'm implying that there are actually two entities who are co-managing this team this year, AK and Vimo. I'll be breaking them down individually, uh, historically, and then finally highlighting their play this year. So let's get started. Now, AK, his chosen uh, identifier is a bronze level player with an all-time record of 48, 49, and 5, below 500. He joined the league in 2012 where he finished 6 out of 8. In 2018, he was um, he had a dominant regular season and finished 3rd out of 8. Um, I did not unfortunately play that year, so I am not able to view any deeper what made him trophy that 2018 banner year for him after a six-year hiatus. Um, 2012, he did not touch the league until 2018, where he finished third. And then in subsequent years, in 2019, he finished seven out of ten. 2021, he finished 9 out of 10, and now currently his co-managed squad is 5 out of 10. I would say I would have to break down his 2019 year. Now, that did get cut short due to the um, uh, COVID, COVID ending the year in Yahoo. So his regular season, he finished 7 out of 10. He had drafted LeBron James. Drummond, Fox, JJJ, Rogier, and Nance. And he also made quite a trade with Jin in 2019, trading his second rounder Drummond and Marcus All for Zion Williams, Covington, and Mitch Robinson. Now, looking at that trade, I actually think he won. Now, Drummond continued playing top 20, and he fit Jin's 2019. Uh, team formation but he got back quite a return a, a Zion that actually played a lot of the year, Covington who's still, you know, Roco Loco and Mitch Robinson um, so I would say, you know he uh, would never found out what happened what could have happened, maybe he would have squeezed into the playoffs obviously 2019 was rough for him, he finished 9 out of 10 I would say over the years, as AK has played in our league, his strength, I would lie in that he doesn't have a necessary, necessarily strategy going into the drafts and always picks best player available. And that results in a squad that is typically not punting any category. And so uh, week to week, um, you have to adjust or may lose simply due to you punting and that sets him up for a team that's pretty well-rounded and in a position to make trades which he does every single year so that's another strength of his is that uh, he attracts people to make offers on trades I traded with them last year very early on I made a trade of uh, Keldon Johnson for Buddy Heald and he's always ready to retool. The weaknesses definitely would be the priority of the sport of fantasy. Uh, 
with real life uh, priorities that have been in the way historically, it's been hard for him to pay attention to the minutia of the season, the day-to-day rigor, the small changes, the daily fantasy updates. Um, I would probably highlight as um, something that you can uh, have the edge over him on. And again, being average in all categories also leads to average results. Um, You have to, especially playoff time, the teams that are very strong in certain categories advance very far in our league. And so being well-rounded in all categories but not excelling in any historically has not paid its fruits of labor in the postseason or even making it into the playoffs as injuries start being impactful to the squad. I wish I had more details on his 2018 run, but from what I heard from around the league was that he didn't have to make any waiver moves, he didn't have to make any trades, he coasted with his team to a third place finish, uh, which is quite strong. Uh, Again, after a six year hiatus from the sport and in the prime era of Jin Chi's Sunny D eras, It is something to be uh, accomplished for. The other co-manager of the league is Vimo. Vimo, a little bit more accomplished on the seasonal fantasy aspects, finished as uh, has a current record of 73 and 71 above 500 and is a silver level player. Now, he also started in 2012 where he finished 7 out of 8. Then in 2016 and 2017, he is he was the Buffalo Bills of the Gin Cheese era, the uh, after leaving the Milkman era, that is 2012 to 2015. The 2016-2017, he finished second place both years back to back. 2018, he finished five of eight. Again, I don't have the lens into looking into that season in the league. And in 2019, his final season with us, he finished 10 out of 10. But we cannot give him the moniker of Sacco, just like we can't arrange Sherry the championship as the season ended in Yahoo on the last week. And he was only a half a game back of Vahid, who was ninth, and they were facing each other in the last week. So... Although he finished 10 of 10, it is an asterisk 10 of 10. It could have been 9. Nonetheless, it's still pretty ass. So let's highlight 2016 and 2017. What formula worked for him? Both years, he drafted Westbrook. Both years, he drafted Drummond. Um, That seems like a formula. And both years, he lost 6-3 in the finals. Uh, One year to Jin. And one year to Sunny. Uh, so, again, going to the finals is an accomplishment on its own. But it looks like he had a formula. Especially when Russell Westbrook was actually good once upon a time. Now, what are Vimo's strengths? He knows what works and sticks to it. It seems pretty formulaic. Especially in his uh, early season progress. When he has players that fit, he has no issues redrafting them or revisiting those strategies. His weaknesses has historically unable to overcome injuries. 
2019, Curry got hurt, and he just didn't make the moves or the trades to salvage the season and kind of couldn't uh, adjust on the fly as injuries are part of the league. And he just can't get over the hump in the playoffs. Uh, call it the waiver, call it the forecasting matchups, call it the um, running into those teams and having their rigor to uh, be prepared and he goes to the second but runs out of steam that last week so definitely um, can question his waiver abilities in the past seasons so why did these two teams merge well we simply it's a 10 team league we want to stick with 10 teams I think it's the best uh, compromise to an active waiver pool and uh, not being so distraught when you have critical injuries in your team still have the ability to salvage the season so with that vimo after 2019 took a hiatus from our league for two years uh, he did not participate and then he wanted to come back we had already given his place to ace and so a uh, through the brokerage and management of Jin, he was able to get these two executives to agree to a merger as they co-managed this squad, allowing us to maintain 10 teams while having the 11 executives on the squad. So with the merger, uh, Akmal had the fourth pick of the draft and they picked up Luka Doncic with their 17th pick or sorry second round pick 17 overall it was DeMontis Sabonis followed by Anthony Davis followed by Darius Garland then on round five he had picked up Kristaps Porzingis round six was Josh Giddy. round seven was Gary Trent Jr. F round eight was Kevin Porter Jr. round nine Kyle Kuzma who's been pretty good uh, a lot of executives have vied for him um, due to his unique ability to score buckets, get threes, get boards. Um, very unique build and a lot of starter minutes. Round 10 was Mitch Robinson, who was pretty good. Uh, obviously got injured. Round 11, Kyle Lowry. Round 12, Norman Powell. And round 13, Mike Conley. Out of that squad, he still has Luka Doncic, Demontis Sabonis, Garland, Porzingis, Giddy, Kuzman, Conley. That is seven out of the 13 players. So let's break down who left and why. Starting with round three pick Anthony Davis. AD and Dinwiddie, who he picked up from the waivers, was traded for Buddy Heald and Fox to Alley. I had mentioned this trade earlier episodes. You can uh, listen to that if you want a breakdown now. The quick highlight was they wanted to be risk averse, wanted to strengthen points, threes, and steals, and that's exactly what they got. The next player in round seven was Gary Trent Jr., who they dropped. I still don't know why they dropped him. I'll highlight that a little bit later in the episode, but he was dropped. Round eight player Kevin Porter Jr. was traded earlier this season to ace for DeAndre Ayton. 
picking up a strong big man after dropping Mitch Robinson and relying on Porzingis and AD who are often injured was a winning trade and it was a winning move. Uh, DeAndre Ayton has been having a great season so far and with Booker back we'll see what adjustments are made but Kevin Porter has been hurt with no timetable to come back so definitely was a good trade uh, in hindsight. So that leaves his round 10 and 11 and 12 players of Mitch Robinson, Kyle Lowry, and Norman Powell, who were all subsequently dropped. Now through the waivers, they have dropped the top 100 player in Mitch Robinson. Kyle Lowry was a top 75 player. Now he's out. So uh, first month we thought that was a bad drop, but he's now since normalized to what was expected. Walker Kessler was dropped twice, who's been a top 70 player. And of course the top 35 player Gary Trent Jr. got dropped. Strengths. Now, with the merger of the two, they have doubled the research, doubled the research. I had highlighted AK has historically not been able to pay attention to the minutiae. Well, now you have two managers covering each other, discussing the moves, discovering, discussing the strategies, the trades. There's a little bit of protection in getting bamboozled in a trade, which has happened. Uh, I was able to bamboozle AK in the past with the trade of Keldon Johnson for Buddy Heald. Um, that, that type of ordeal is made tougher now with two executives looking over each other's back. They're able to pick up on punt strategies. Now that might have been picked up from Vimal's side as historically AK has not, but there was a good adjustment that was made in order to allow them to go deep into the playoffs. And they're willing to make moves and adjust. And that is something that both play, players have historically done. AK has been in trades. Vimo's been in trades. They're both willing to make moves. And it looks like it's a lot of calculated moves to better their squad. Their weaknesses. Now this, I think, stems from both sides. Historically, looking at AK's draft, looking at Vimo's draft, they have an affinity for players. And if you can pick up who they pick up, who they prefer to pick up, you can figure out what they're going for this week or you can block them potentially. So over the course of the season, they've picked up Tim Hardaway Jr. three times. They've picked up Norm Powell three times. They've picked up Kessler two times. They picked up KCP three times. So there is a short list of players that they do recycle and regurgitate and uh, you can pick up a rhythm as to who they're eyeing and what they're eyeing. And that affinity might be able to be uh, taken advantage of deeper into the season or the playoffs. And finally, delaying decision-making working out kinks. I think throughout the season, they have made that lag better between the two. But earlier, definitely having delays uh, resulted in potentially missing out on players or also making moves like dropping Kerry Trent for free junior who is exactly what they wanted when they were trying to look for a player that gave them points threes and steals that literally sounded like the void Gary Trent who is a top 35 player provided before they dropped him because he had a bad couple of weeks so with their new squad they added Markel Fultz who's been fantastic as a overall point guard for this squad and steals, assists, and buckets. And obviously, they picked up Darren Fox. 
they have two streaming positions, I would say, in Royce and Neal, who's simply just a utilization back-to-back four-game week against me, and Herbert Jones, who obviously was picked up for the steals. Maybe they keep him. Maybe they use those two positions as a waiver pool until Luka Doncic is out of IL, and probably Royce O'Neal goes between Herbert Jones. DeAndre Ayton was obviously picked up, I mentioned, and they had a great pickup in Mason Plumley, who started very, very um, 40% owned and uh, low ranked, but for their squad of, uh, especially at the time with AD, uh, AD and Doncic's variability in free throws, uh, punt free throw, so, or soft punt free throw team at least. Last week, I mentioned I would have lost 5-3 to them, and that is because they are top quartile in a lot of the categories, which really stems from that AK side of being good in almost all categories. So they are probably the best team in field goal, top quartile, probably top team. And that's spearheaded by Sabonis, Plumley, Doncic with his volume, Fox with his efficiency, and Markel Fultz. So they have five buckets of field goal but Plumlee is like Robert Williams and Zion Williams like in that field goal category their top quartile in threes especially with Buddy Hill, Doncic, Garland and Kuzma all averaging more than two and a half threes um, points their top quartile especially with I mean Doncic averaging 30 this year Fox, Porzingis who's been healthy and Kuzma Rebounds, they have so many buckets from Giddy, Sabonis, Aiton, Kuzma, Porzingis, Plumley, Doncic. I mean, they all of them average 7-8, and a bunch of them are guards, which is awesome uh, source to have those um, uh, off-position boards from assists. I mean, Doncic, Garland, Conley, Sabonis, Fox, Giddy, every category I say they're top quartile, they have four to five players who contribute above average. Steals. They got Fox, Hield, and Dante, and they have that waiver position to play picking up Jalen Williams or Herbert Jones or a uh, DeLon Wright when they need to. I mean, that seems like their approach to steals. And finally, blocks. They had AD, but it seems like they've kind of softly left free throws and TO and blocks for, um, but. Porzingis is the unicorn that can have a 5-6 block night and blocks being so dominated and controlled by select teams, it is a winnable category against, you know, quarter of the time squads, I'd say they're below to mid on blocks and TOs is probably their worst category where um, that's definitely a punt um, on that side. So questions remaining for them would be the health of Porzingis for the remainder of the season. The impact on Kyrie on Doncic as he just made it to the squad. What will that mean for his usage? Buddy Hill, hot and cold streaks. I owned him. I've had him before. And when he's hot, he looks amazing. And then after All-Star break last year, he kind of went very cold. Uh, could that remain true this season too? Rest of Cleveland players, um, you know, end of season. Uh, Garland, you know, if they're vying for playoffs and have locked up seating, Maybe they start resting some of those Cleveland guys. And Garland would be a significant impact on Akmal's team. Trade deadline impacts on Conley, Plumley, Aiton, Orlando overall, with, and Fultz being the Orlando player. Trade deadline's tomorrow, and all of these are trade pieces that might have 
different usages and different teammates and different settings. And finally, they do have the OKC exposure. I don't think it's going to happen, but OKC is always a danger for resting players, especially if they tank harder for Wemby sweepstakes. So, call some of the question marks remaining through the season. And that about wraps up my breakdown on Akmal. Currently, I am losing 5-4. Stay tuned for the R&R segment of Thanks, everyone. Peace and love.